Alright everybody, take out a piece of paper. If you, if you don't have a piece of paper, see if you can bum one off somebody. We're going to take a test. Uh-oh. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the church never tests people. Isn't that interesting? In elementary school, junior high, high school, college, you took tests. Why did you take tests? To identify what you know, but also to expose you to what you don't know. Why? So you can get to know it. So tests are very, very important. But we don't test in the church. And it's all one-way communication. And so you never get exposed for what you know and don't know. So wherever I travel, we take tests. Okay? So you've got to take a test. Take out a piece of paper. Okay, tell me what, what is that? Question number one. Cross. I have to ask because my drawing is so bad. All right, number two. By the way, I, I have to tell you what Ross just did to me. He, he's got this little mic because he's recording this thing. So I said, well, why don't we turn it off during the break? He said, no, we'll just turn it on. Well, then I forgot and I go in the bathroom. I wash my hands. <laughs> I'm now potentially blackmailed. All right, what happened on that cross? Write down your answer. Real quick. Shouldn't take you more than 15 seconds. What happened on the cross? I really would like you to put your answer down if you can. If you need to borrow a piece of paper, get it, because we're going to explore this question. Ready? Five, four, three, two, one. Take your paper and tuck it away in your Bible. See, we're, going to, we're very gracious. We're going to protect you. The only one who will know if you got it right or wrong is you. All right. I was traveling down I-12 in South Louisiana, which meant I was in the outside lane because I have a very old truck because I'm in the ministry. <laughs> and up in front of me, you know, you got to understand, the whole state of Louisiana is a swamp, right? So I come up out of, the, out of the swamp is a mama duck, and she's got her little ducklings behind her. And she comes up to the outside lane, and this car whizzes by, and so she scampers back. But then she turns around and comes back. Car, scamper back. Car, scamper back. This is one tenacious woman. Duck. So, obviously, what's going to happen? There's going to be a gap in the outside traffic, and eventually she's going to get far enough onto the interstate. She won't be able to get back, and the whole family's going to get slaughtered. So I pulled over as quick as I could, waited for a break in traffic, got on the inside lane, and chased her down into the swamp. I saved the day, man. All right, now, here's the key. Mama Duck was mad. Why? Her goal was blocked, right? Baby ducks were scared out of their wits. Beep, 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 right? Why do I share that with you? Because as I travel around and teach what I'm about to teach, that's exactly what happens in the body of Christ that's in attendance. I get people get mad at me. I also have people scared at what they're hearing. What was my goal? My goal was to lead those little ducks to the place of safety. I got news for That's exactly my goal with you. My goal is to lead you to the place of safety, which is Jesus. And so I'm willing for you to get angry. And I'm willing for you to get scared. But I want you to come to know Jesus in a way maybe that you never knew him before. I didn't always understand what I'm about to share with you. In 1988, by the way, the way a little kid survives in the environment I grew up in is you shut down emotionally. You stuff everything. And so I basically stuffed everything. And I did go to counseling. And one of my counselors said to me, I hate to be your kids. And I said, those are fighting words. You talk to me for two, three days and think you know me? I pour into my babies. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your example. You're a machine. You're not a human being. When's the last time you cried? June 12, 1968. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Until 1988. And God did a supernatural thing. He took the lid off. And I couldn't control all those nasty feelings growing up. And they came out. And I was dying. 
So a friend of mine called a friend of his named Charles Stanley. And Charles Stanley called me. He said, heard you're dying off the vine. I said, I'm dying off the vine. He said, go see these people. So I went and saw those people. Pastors one day, conference. So I brought my wife. Because after all, she was the one being murdered. (laughs) So uh, in the middle of this conference, one day conference, I look over at her and she's crying. And I said, what's the matter with you? She said, don't you hear what they're teaching? I said, I teach that. She said, no, you don't. And she got free. She got really, really free. So free I couldn't touch her buttons anymore. That'll bug you. You know how you can control and manipulate little things? And she was free of me. So I sat her down one day and I said, baby, you don't love me anymore. And she said, no, I love you. I just don't need you anymore. (laughs) Could you at least put it in the back? (laughs) You know, whammo. (laughs) So I called those people up and said, whatever you did to her, do to me. And I went back and Father opened my eyes. And so I've been traveling around ever since sharing with people what God shared with me. So Father, in Jesus' name, open the eyes of the understanding. We saw Romans 5.17, that death reigned through Adam, right? That's not good. We'll do this. All right. By the way, the most important theological phrase anyone will ever be able to teach you is in Adam. I travel around and get Christians that go, don't you mean in Christ? No, I mean in Adam. You will never understand what it means to be in Christ until you first understand what it means to be in Adam. This is what we call the theology of in. Would everybody please say that? Theology of in. I'm going to take this book and I'm going to put the book in the binder. Put the binder on the sand. Where's the book? It's on the sand. I take the binder and I put it over here in Ross's lap. Where's the book now? In Ross's lap. How did the book get from the stand to Ross? Because I moved the binder. And so whatever happened to the binder happened to the book because the book is in the binder. The theology of in. The theology of in means whatever you are in, whatever happens to it, happens to you. Does that make sense? So, you were in Adam. 1 Corinthians 15.22 In Adam all died. You were in Adam. What did Adam do? He ate from the tree. What did you do? He ate from the tree. When Adam sinned? When Adam died? When Adam was condemned? How many sins did you have to commit to be a sinner? None. You showed up that way. You were born that way. And there was a sentence of death over you. Very important language. The experience of death in you. And therefore the expression of death through you. Very important phrase. The sentence of death over you. The experience of death in you. And therefore the expression of death through you. Because the universal law is again you can only give what you do not have. And so everyone shows up as ministers of death on this planet. And if we don't transform that, we're going to be a menace to everybody we come in contact with. The Minnesota Crime Commission, the what? Minnesota Crime Commission. So this is not a study done by the church. It's a secular organization, spent 10 years studying juvenile delinquency. That's a long study. At the end of their 10-year study on juvenile delinquency, this is what they said. Left to themselves, every child will go up to to be a murderer, rapist, or robber. Secular, secular organization. Case in point. Oh. So funny. I, I travel around and all the women always go, oh. And all the men go, wonder who that is. <laughs> Aren't they just the most cutest cusses you've ever seen? I want you to home in on the little guy. Look at that face. Doesn't that look like a little kid you can just wrestle with him and throw him on the ground and, you know? Anybody know who that is? Worst mass murderer in the history of the United States. Timothy McVeigh. Left to themselves, every child will grow up to be a robber, a murderer, or a rapist. As I shared with you, I speak on college campuses. I was speaking on the campus of LSU quite a lot in the 90s. Four or five times a semester. So I built up quite a rapport with those kids. 
And uh, one day I was going to teach them on the love of God. And I had an extra special burden that they would come to know how much God loves them. So I got there that night and I said, listen, young people, I'm gonna, I want to start tonight by asking you a question. And when I ask you the question, I don't want you to answer me. I want you to think first. Okay, I want you to ponder. I want your heart. I don't want your Christian jargon. I don't want your Christian pat answers. In fact, if you try to give me your Christian jargon and Christian pat answers, I will publicly embarrass you. Are we on the same page? Here's the question. What do you want more than anything else on this planet? What do you want? What do you really, really want at the gut level? Just about that much time went by and there was a little co-ed on the left side of the room and she raised her hand and she said, Pastor Frank, I want to be loved. And just about that much time and then another little co-ed, this time on this side of the room, raised her hand. She said, Pastor Frank, I want to be accepted. Not for what I do. I want to be accepted for who I am. Good. Wrote that down. That was 10 seconds. 10 seconds is weird when there's silence. Isn't it? I waited two minutes. Isn't that crazy? Strip off the facade. They were young and old, rich and poor, pretty, plain. Strip off the facade and what? We all want to be the same. We all want to be loved. We all want to be significant. We all want our lives to count. Remember those four great contemporary theologians, John, Paul, George, and Ringo? They wrote a song called Eleanor Rigby. Anybody remember the song? Ah, look at all the lonely people. Remember it? Anybody remember the chorus? Where do they all come from? All the lonely people. What? Where do they all belong? That's the question. It's a question man has been asking ever since the fall of man. Is there anyone out there? That wants me. Just for me. Well we saw the bad news in Romans chapter five seventeen, right? Death reigned through Adam. Somebody stand up read that verse. You did such a good job. Would you do it again? Oh you don't have your Bible. Alright. Oh, ready? Romans 5.17 Romans 5.17 Romans 5.17 Yeah again. Go ahead. Twice. You did. <laughs> for if by the for if by the trespass of one man, death reigns through that one man. How much more Much more, did you hear it? Much more. Now say it. Those who tithe, right? Death reigns through that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in the light through the one man? Thank you. Good job. Death reigned through Adam. Now, much more. Those who, what? Those who tithe? Fast? Pray? Read your Bible? There it is. Whoop. That's how the church, wait a minute, back up. There you go. That's how the church does it. We focus so much on what we've got to do for God instead of what God does for us. It ought to be like this. Receive! Open up your arms and say thank you. Receive who he is. Receive what he's done. Six million dollar question is how? How are the minds in this room ever going to grasp the mind of God? Alright, here we go. We've got to start moving very quickly because it's late and I've got a lot of material to cover. So I need some readers. First reader, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Who's going to go there? Quick hand. Somebody? Good. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 9. How are the minds in this room ever going to grasp the mind of God? This is not a very encouraging sight. I mean, think about it. If the minds in this room could grasp the mind of God, how big is God's mind? Yeah. All right, 1 Corinthians 2.9. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Okay, stop right there. Your eyes haven't seen it. Your ears haven't heard it. You can't even begin to imagine what God has prepared for you. 
What's he talking about? What's it sound like he's talking about? Your eyes haven't seen it. Your ears haven't heard it. You can't imagine what he has prepared. Sounds like heaven. Doesn't it? Next word. Next verse. Uh, for to us God revealed them. Okay. Uh, anybody got a King James? Yep. What's yours? 1 Corinthians 2.10. 2.10. But God. I like that much better. But God. By the way, I want you, I'm going to call attention to this because this is something you really need to come to know and walk out of here forever changed. God is the God of the great but. Okay? He is going to say a negative and then he's going to go but. Okay? I'm a but man. You need to be but people. Okay? But God. Your eyes haven't heard it. You're, you haven't begun to imagine it. You can't hear it. You can't believe it. But God. Next verse face quickly but God revealed them through revealed them what tense is that past tense so it's not talking about heaven it's talking about right now has revealed them through the spirit through this Holy Spirit for the spirit searches all things even the death of God. how can the spirit search all things even the things of God because he is God good next verse for who among men knows the thoughts of the man except the spirit of the man which is in him okay who knows the thoughts of man except the spirit of the man? What am I thinking right now? You don't know. Why don't you know? Because you're not me. The only way you're going to know what I'm thinking is if I tell you. Next verse. Even so, the thoughts of God... In the same way... Go ahead. Uh, even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the spirit of God. Nobody knows the mind of God except the spirit of God. Next verse. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from you. That's why we got the Holy Spirit. So that we can know the things God thinks. Isn't that cool? That we might know the things freely given to us by God. Go ahead. Which things we also speak. Not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit. We're Spirit taught, not man taught. Isn't that cool? This lets me off the hook. Right? I don't have to make sure anybody in this room gets it. It lets you off the hook. You don't have to try and get it. That's good news for you. (laughs) Isn't that right? Whose responsibility is it for you to get what we're about to look at? Spirit. Holy Spirit's. Isn't that cool? The next, next, next verse. Combining spiritual thoughts. Spiritual Let's go to verse 14. But a natural man. A natural man. I used to think that was talking about the unbeliever. By the way, that'll qualify. The unbeliever's never going to get God. But who's Paul writing to? Christians. And he says, a natural man. That's a man who functions with his brain. If you function with your brain, you're never going to understand the things of God. Because your brain is too small. So the natural man is never going to get it. But what? Uh, For they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. Go ahead. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. Okay, so we want to be taught who? How? By the Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? The only way we're going to know what God has for us is if He tells us. That's why we want to come to understand what the Spirit teaches. Let's go to another verse. See just how true this is. John 14. Ross, why don't you get that one? Question. What was Jesus doing with His disciples for about three, three and a half years? Discipling. Discipling. What's another word? Teaching. Teaching. What was He doing? Teaching. 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 Listen to this verse. John 14, verse 25. These things I have spoken. What? These things I have spoken. Spoken. Now, wait a minute. What's he been doing for three years? Teaching. Teaching. Why didn't he say teaching? Isn't that fascinating to you? Let's keep reading. See what's going on. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. All that I have not taught. Isn't that amazing insight? Jesus is the master teacher. He's the best teacher that ever walked on this planet. But even with Jesus' teaching, he says, all I was doing was speaking. And all you were doing was hearing. But the Holy Spirit's going to come. And when he comes, he's going to teach you and he's going to bring to your remembrance everything I said. Isn't that amazing? Let's go to one more. Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 16. Who's our reader? That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power. Okay, stop right there. Give me, give me the power. Give me the strength. How many of you ever prayed a prayer like that to the Holy Spirit? Give me the strength to what? 
to whatever. <laughs> I'm a weak man. <laughs> All right. Give me the strength to what? What do you ask for strength for? Strength to do his will. Good one. Strength to be patient with your kids. Strength to drive on the interstate without flipping somebody off. Right? Strength to put up with my husband. Right? We are, did you notice the common denominator? We are always praying for strength to do something. This is a revolutionary thought. Read again, Bob. Okay, but he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. In the inner man, so that, keep going. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend all the saints... Would be able to what? Comprehend. Wow. When did you ever pray like that? Father, give me the power of your Holy Spirit to break through my finite human thinking so that I will be able to think the way you think. So that I'll be able to understand. Give me the power to understand. Anybody ever pray like that? Well, understand what? The height, length, breadth, and depth of the love of God in Christ Jesus that I might be filled with the fullness of God. Wow. I want to pray for you like that. Father, I look around this room and I pray for each and every one of these men and women. That the power of your Holy Spirit right now in this next four hours, (laughs) just kidding, would break through their finite thinking and they would be able to start thinking the way you think. That they would see the scriptures and dare to believe what they say about them. That's my prayer. Give them that power in Jesus' name. What do we say? Amen. All right, here we go. We're going to go very, very fast. We saw last hour, Jesus promised joy, rest, peace, freedom, and abundant life. Far too many Christians do not have those things. If Jesus promised them and we don't have them, there's only two possibilities. Either Jesus is a liar or the church is missing the gospel. The problem is that most Christians have never really been fully evangelized. They only got a part of the gospel. Jesus died for your sins, you get to go to heaven someday. Yay! What happens in the meantime? In the meantime, it's a mean time. <laughs> that is exactly right. So the church has Jesus, but doesn't know what it has in Jesus. We have enough Jesus to get us to heaven, but not enough Jesus to get heaven into us. we got a problem. We understand that Jesus is the answer, but what's the question? You ever thought about that? Here comes the church. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. What's the question? (laughs) I finally wore out my Bible. I had to get a new one. What did I wear out? The book of Genesis. Because Genesis gives you the problem. So you know how to fix it with the answer. See, the church runs around, Jesus is the answer. You ever hear that little Sunday school story about that little kid? Little Johnny was in Sunday school. And it was Easter time. And the teacher set out the class and she said, All right, class, it's Easter time. What hops around on two little feet with a bushy little tail and tall pink ears and brings candy to little kids? And little Johnny raises his hand and he goes, Well, it sounds like the Easter Bunny, but I know the answer's got to be Jesus. <laughs> you know? So we need to diagnose the disease before we ever prescribe the remedy. What's the disease? You. You're the disease. I'm the disease. We were born in Adam. The remedy is in Christ. We need some visuals. Here we go. There's God. God is a big old positive. Holy, holy, holy. He had two kids and he made them in his own image. So he made them positives. How do positives live? Positively. That's exactly right. That's the Garden of Eden. You ever see Outer Limits, Twilight Zone? We have no context for understanding that. I cannot imagine living with a woman who has no ulterior motives, selfish manipulations, or anything like that. And, we got to add the and part. She can't imagine living with a guy who's got any ulterior motives, critical spirit, negative mindset, and control freak, and all that kind of stuff. We don't have a clue for this, but that's how it was. We believe that, right? And then God put a no-no tree and he said, whatever you do, don't eat from that tree. And the day that you eat from that tree, you shall surely die. There they are. It became negatives. How do negatives live? Negatively. There it is. And that. That's negatives too. What's the name of the tree? 
Not of good and evil. What's the church emphasize? The bad. That's right. Sinner, sinner, sinner. Sin, sin, sins. We got to start emphasizing that doing good is wrong. We get people in our office and we ask them, have you ever repented of being good? You ever thought about that? God doesn't want you to be good. God wants to express His goodness through you. He doesn't want your cheap imitation. You're right. Thank you. Your righteousness is filthy rags. Repent of being good. There's a much better way to do this. So, we need an answer. So, what happened? God sent the cross. And he started to take away the sins. Watch this. Isn't this cool? Look at this. Ross, there goes that one in 2002. There it goes. Just, yeah. That was a doozy. Look at that. Isn't that good news? Is that good news? I mean, I, I don't know some of you, but I think that ought to be good news. Is it great news? Is it really great news? What's the problem? They're still negative there. If Jesus died for your sins is the only gospel that you have, then you've made the gospel an issue of justification, justification that secures for you a new destination. You're going to heaven someday. By the way, that's fire insurance. Keeps you out of hell. What keeps you out of the hell you live in every day of your life? We need greater news than that. If I could illustrate it, this is cancer. Back up one. That's pain. What would you think if you went to a doctor and he said, hmm, you got cancer, let me give you some morphine. What's he treating? The symptom. If this is your only message, what did Jesus treat? Symptom. What's he called in scripture? The great physician. He doesn't treat symptoms, baby. He treats the whole man. The symptoms and the disease. We need a reader. Romans 6. Who's going to read? He's going to interrupt me lots and I'm going to get flustered. (laughs) Romans 6. Who's going to read? All right, you're going to read? All right, I'm going to stop you. (laughs) So be real real loud, but be prepared to stop. What shall we say then? Shall we continue? Okay, stop right there. What shall we say then? Who's there with the New American? Somebody read that one. What shall we say then? Romans 6 3? Oh, 3, I'm sorry. For do you not know? Do you not know? Try your King James. Know ye not? Know ye not? Sounds more authoritative with that King James, doesn't it? <laughs> now, you know how you need to read that? Yeah. With a little teeny bit of incredulity. <laughs> Paul is upset. Don't you know? What do you mean when you say something like that? Are you ignorant? Yeah, are you ignorant? In other words, you ought to know it and you don't. In other words, what you and I are about to read is the ABCs of Christianity. What you and I are about to read is 2 plus 2 equals 4. And unfortunately, the church at Rome doesn't know it. And i got news for you. Christians all around the world don't know it. Because I travel all around and they don't know it. Do you not know? Keep going. Know you not that as many as of us as were baptized... Stop right there. Dum, 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 dum. Not you. <laughs> Translators. What are they doing? Look, please don't hear me be arrogant, but I get a little upset when people don't do their job. Because it causes a lot of confusion. How many of you, as soon as you see the word baptism, think of water? That's what everybody does. By the way, that's a Greek word. And we, look, if I come across the Greek word neos, which is temple, and I'm translating, what do I do? What do I write? Temple. Do I write neos? That's stupid. I'm translating. You with me? If I come to the Greek word irene, peace, I write peace. I don't write irene. Why did the translators put a Greek word in our English translation? The Greek word is baptizo, and we put baptized. You don't do that. You translate it. You know what the translation is? Identified with, or even better, immersed into. That's what the word means. That's a definition. So, tell you what, what's your name, friend? Peter. Peter, let's translate it, immersed into, as we read it, and try it again. Know you not that as many of us as were immersed into Jesus Christ were immersed in to his death. Hmm. We were immersed into his death. Keep reading. 
Therefore, we are. Buried. Therefore, because we were immersed into his death, something happens. We are buried with him. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? What do you do with dead people? Bury him. Okay, so that makes logical thought. By immersion into death, that in that as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Hmm. Okay, keep going. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this. What? Knowing this. In other words, what? That we are like Christ. We know it. What do we know? We receive that our... Let's, read, let's finish the rest of that verse, Peter. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Do you not know? Did you not hear? You were born in Adam. The theology of in means what? Whatever happens to this happens to the book. What happened to Adam? He went and ate from the tree. What did you do? Adam sinned? Adam died? Adam was condemned? God took you out of Adam by faith and then put you into Christ. What's the theology of in? Whatever happened to Jesus happened to do you not know that as many of us as were immersed into Jesus were immersed into his death? What happened to you? Crucified. Jesus was then what? Buried. Then what? Re- re- what? Resurrected. What tense? Past. Listen, I grew up in church. Forced to go. <laughs> now, the church taught me about a resurrection. But they always said two things. Jesus popped out of the grave 2,000 years ago. And one day you're going to pop out of the grave in the future when Jesus comes back for his church. Nobody ever taught me I was already resurrected. Yet Paul says what? Do you not know this? Where were you resurrected? In your spirit. Here we go. Let's watch. Time for a visual. Uh Uh-oh, we've got to get through some text. So Jesus Christ is not the only one who died on the cross. The gospel is he died for our sins and what? We died with him. Here we go. Ready? Crucified, Romans 6.3. Buried, Romans 6.3.4. Resurrected, Romans 6.4 and 5. Watch this. Watch it. There it is. Isn't that cool? We ought to rename the Christian community. We are the real Grateful Dead. Isn't that cool? Now, just to make sure we understand this, we're going to do a lot of reading. Need your hands real quick because we're running out of time. I need somebody to read 2 Corinthians 5.17. Who's going to read? Bob. Okay. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Quickly. Somebody read. Great. Jacqueline? Was that right? 2 Corinthians 5.21. Philippians 3, 7 and 8. Somebody quickly. Okay. Philippians 3, 7 and 8. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Okay, right here. John 16.8. Peter, you want John 16.8? 1 Corinthians 1, 29-31. You want to take that one? 1 Corinthians 1, 29-31. One more. Ephesians 2, 6. Quickly. Okay, right there. Alright, let's do some scouring through the New Testament and see what it says. The reason God is able to accept you is because He's made you acceptable. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but He couldn't live in you if you were a sinner. Look at the Old Testament analogy of the temple. Was sin allowed in the Holy of Holies? Uh-uh. High priest went in there once a year and what did he go in with? Blood. How did he go in there? With a belt tied around him. And little jingle bells. 
So they could sit outside and go, he's still alive. <laughs> and if he went in there with sin, then his jingle bells didn't jingle. And they, nobody going in after him, that's why they drug him out. No sin in the Holy of Holies. No sin where God dwells. God doesn't dwell in sinners. He doesn't dwell in sinners. He had to change who you are. All right, here we go. Second Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... Oh, anyone what? Is in, in Christ. There's your great new phrase. Listen, how many of you have heard sermons? How many sermons have you heard that Jesus lives in you? Jesus lives in your heart. If you grew up in church, you heard it a lot. Did you know that in the New Testament, for every verse that Jesus is in you, there's ten that you're in Him? What's God trying to get through our thick heads? We're in Christ. Okay, now. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. You're a brand new creation. Brand new. All the old things are gone. But what about that one back in college? It's gone. It's gone. Isn't that good news? What about that one yesterday? It's gone. What about the one tomorrow? (laughs) It's gone. It's gone. All right, 2 Corinthians 5.21. This is a great verse. We made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness. He made him who knew no sin to become sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. I was in Dallas teaching on this, and I had a guy come up to me, Dallas Seminary guy. I got a real problem with what you're teaching. You ever notice how people like that always have a voice that travels up your spine? You know, I'm a preacher. So anyway, he comes up. He says, "I got a real problem with what you taught." So excuse me, what I taught? That was your father's word. If you got a problem, it's with your father's word. It's not your problem with me. All right. Well, I got a problem with it. I said, "What's your problem?" I can't say I'm the righteousness of God. Why can't you say that? Because I know how I live. Uh Uh-uh. Bible's not talking here about how you live. Bible's talking about who you are. Now we got to work on you to get you to live according to who you are. But that's who you are. God says you are the righteousness of God. Now, by the way, my friend, i got a bigger problem than you do. What's that? How did the living God ever become sin? If the living God can become sin, I don't think he has a problem making your piddly butt righteous. Never thought of that. (laughs) Isn't that cool? (laughs) Philippians 3. Who's got that one? Okay. What, that's great. But whatever form of things I had that might have been gains to me, I have come to consider as one combined loss for Christ's sake. Yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of a priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and clearly. For his sake I have lost everything and consider it all to be mere rubbish, refuse dregs, in order that I may win and gain Christ the anointed one. That's right. I want to be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own by the law, but a righteousness which is by faith. In other words, what happened with Abraham? He believed God and God said what? Righteous. When you believe God, what does he say about you? Righteous. Romans 10, 9, and 10. Who's got that one? Let's do Romans 10, 9. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Stop right there. How many of you knew that verse? If you were raised in church, you knew that verse. Now, here's the thing. I'll travel around and I'll go, how many people know this verse? If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And everybody goes, yeah, I know the verse. And then I go, tell me the next verse. Okay, you're a product of the church. What's the church's agenda? Let's get people into the kingdom. The church's agenda is not understood to get the kingdom into man. So nobody knows the next verse. Next verse says, For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness. With the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness. It's not just that you get to go to heaven and be saved. It's that God's going to save you from who you were and make you the righteousness of God. Wow. I took a Mississippi pastor, a friend of mine, excuse me, took a Mississippi pastor, been a pastor since he was 20, he's 86 years old, walked him through this stuff I showed you tonight. The old boy said, I've been in the ministry for 66 years, and all them years I knew I was saved, but I never knew I was that saved. (laughs) (laughs) 
John 16. Who's got John 16? Alright, hold up before we do that one. You Go ahead. Read it. Tell you what. Let's hold up a minute. John 16. Hold up a minute. This is another one of those verses everybody knows. The Holy Spirit was sent into the world to convict the world of sin. How many of you knew that? How many of you can finish the verse? And righteousness and judgment. See, there's another one of those things where we harp on one part of it. Now, just run with this a little bit. What would happen if you stood up in the average church and said, I've just been convicted by the Holy Spirit that I'm a sinner? What would they do? Hallelujah, Hallelujah, brother! What if you stood up and said, I've just been convicted by the Holy Spirit that I'm as righteous as Jesus is? (laughs) What's the verse say? It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict you that God made you righteous in Jesus Christ. What did Romans 5.17 say? Receive it. Receive the gift of righteousness. And that's not when you get to the sweet by and by. It's receive it right now. 1 Corinthians 1. That's you, right? Yep. So that no man may boast before God, but by his doing you are... Okay. We're going to use the um, overhead for this one. We're going to make a sandwich. When you make a sandwich, what do you need? Bread. Bread. How many pieces? Two. Two. So here's one piece of bread. And it's verse 29. And what did you read? No boast. So what do we need? Another piece of bread. That's verse 31. And guess what? It says no boast. One says it negatively. One says it positively. Don't anyone boast. Verse 31 says boast only in the Lord. Okay. What do you put in the middle? Yeah, you don't put peanut butter and jelly. We're talking about God's word. Put meat, baby. All right, what's the meat? In Christ. Read the verse, please. But by his doing, you are in Christ. Oh, there it is again. See that? In Christ. By the way, it's all over the Bible. Go ahead. Read that out loud. It came to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Okay, question. How many of you are willing to say you're redeemed? Okay, five of you are saved. I hope the rest of you get saved tonight. <laughs> How many of you are willing to say you're redeemed? Synonym, saved, right? All right. You're willing to say you're saved. What had you better also be willing to say? That you're wise, righteous, and sanctified, because that's what God says, and it's a package deal. Good word. Good word. By the way, if you start to look around the Bible, you'll see these sandwiches everywhere. He'll say two things and in between he'll give you something really, really special. Ephesians 2.6 Who's got that one? And raise us up with him. Wait, raise. What tense is that? Past. So you've already been resurrected. And seated up. What tense is that? past in the heavenly places in Christ in Christ there it is again okay so here we go let's look at it again here's you and you got put in Christ what happened to Christ crucified what happened to you then what happened Jesus was buried what happened to you Romans chapter 6 then what happened resurrected what happened to you where did Jesus go after 40 days to the right hand of the father can I play God for a minute that okay my wife says I play God all the time. I tell her the one best suited for it should play the part. <laughs> she, she doesn't think it's funny. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. All right. So here's God. Here's Jesus. Where are you? Right there. Why is it so important? Watch. How loved is Jesus? Right there. How loved are you? How significant is Jesus? Right there. How significant are you? Is there anything Jesus can do to make the Father stop loving him? Right there. Is there anything you can do to make the Father stop loving you? Mm -mm. Is there anything Jesus can do to make the Father love him anymore? Mm -mm. Anything you can do to make the Father love you more? Let's come back to where we started. Come to me and I'll give you rest. I came that you might have life. You will come to know the truth. The truth will make you free. My joy is what I'm about to give you. My peace is what I give you. 
What did Jesus say on the cross? What's that mean in the Greek? It's finished. Yeah, you're going to be Greek scholars by the time we're done. I want to give you a visual to close with tonight. So we want to receive the gift of righteousness. Receive our unshakable identity as a child of God. Who are you? You're a child of God. You're a prince or a princess. Receive who God says you are, no matter how incredible it sounds. Because this is the truth. Isn't that cool? I have to leave you with this. The greatest gospel movie ever made by Walt Disney called The Lion King. It's, it's an awesome, awesome movie. He did the greatest gospel movie ever made and doesn't even know what he did. By the way, do you know what the church did with that movie when it came out in the 90s? Boycotted it. Stupid. How stupid. Why? Because Rafiki uses sorcery. Stop it. Don't miss the forest through the trees. Let's talk about the Lion King. You had a son. There's a king. His name is Mufasa. He has a son named Simba. Simba is the son of the king. What's that make him? A prince. But there's a liar named Scar. Scar comes along and tells him a lie. What does Simba do? Believes the lie. What happens to Simba? He's no longer living in the kingdom. Where does he live? In the wilderness. Eating bugs. Hanging out with a warthog who farts. You saw the movie? Finally, Rafiki comes along, the Holy Spirit, and he says, it is time. And he goes to Simba and he says, I know your father. He goes, you knew my father's correction. Know your father. He's alive. You're mistaken. He's dead. No, I know who you are. You're, you're Simba, Mufasa's boy. Come here. He takes him over to the pool of water. You remember? And he shows him. He says, look, what do you see? And he looks in the mirror of the water and what does he see? His own image. Ah. And Rafiki says what? Look hard. Right? And he looks and finally he sees the image of his father. But his father speaks. Simba! You have forgotten me. Oh no, Father, I would never forget you. No, you have forgotten me. The day you forgot who you are is when you forgot who I am. And what does he do? He believes. I'm a son of the king. I'm a prince. And he goes back to the kingdom and he puts out the liar. Wow. Wow. That is not only the gospel movie, it's the new covenant movie. So I want all the ladies to stand. And what I want to do is just sort of speak to you the way I believe the Father would speak to you. Okay? That be okay? Maybe just hold your arms out in a position of receiving. And just close your eyes a little bit. Let me speak over you the truth of what I believe Father would say. I think the Father would say to you something like this. Hey, little girl. My, how you have grown up. And my, 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 how beautiful you are. You grew up just the way I knew you would. And I want you to know that I'm so very proud of you. Now, sweetheart, there's some choices you made, and they weren't good ones. But I want you to know I've taken care of those with the blood of my son at the cross. And I want you to know that though you remember those things, I do not. And it's time for you to stop remembering them as well. And it's time for you to receive who you are, that you are my daughter. You are a princess. And I want you to start treating yourself like a princess and living like the royalty that I have made you. Receive it. Receive it. Receive who you are. 
in the person and work of my Son. In Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. Stand up, guys. Have a seat, ladies. Put your arms out in position of receiving. And I think the Father would say something like this to you. Hey, little guy. My goodness, you're not such a little guy anymore. You're a man. Made in my image. A prince. A warrior like me. And I am so proud of you. You are strong. You are courageous. And I want you to know, son, that I believe in you. You've made some choices that were not in accordance with who you are. But again, I've taken care of those at the cross. And I don't remember them anymore and I choose, I challenge you not to as well. Because they don't define who you are. Your adoption into my family is what defines who you are. And I need you to know that I am so very proud of you. Now take up your spear, your shield, your sword, your helmet. And walk courageously in this world. Because the children that I have in this world need you to. And my princesses need you to live like a prince. So be who you are in the person and work of my son. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I pray that you give us safety going home. Bring us back safely tomorrow night. May your spirit continue to teach us who you are, and all that you long to be to us. And tomorrow, by your grace, we'll look at what it means to receive grace and to receive it abundantly. And then we'll look at what it means to live through the one Jesus Christ. And we're going to trust you to open our eyes ever further to the glory of the new covenant that you made for us in the person of your Son and by the power of your Spirit and the truth of your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Let's let everybody say it. Amen. Amen.